Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. Today we are reviewing a very high-scoring round 16. Talking bogs, talking flogs. We're hitting the tray targets and, of course, getting the knife out and hitting the chopping block. Let's go! G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy. Uh, today, I'm not joined by the uh, the Oxlong coach, Luke, here. I'm joined by a very special guest who finally, hopefully we can hear his, his beautiful voice on today's podcast. I'm joined by Bales from the AFL Fantasy Fanatics. How are you, Bales? Good, thanks, Mitch, mate. Yeah, it's, uh, hopefully we get the audio working. We so, can hear uh, you. We yeah, can no. hear you. Your, your voice is in our eardrums. Oh. It's it's all working. Fingers crossed. Oh, beautiful. No, good. Good to good to be back on and uh, and the audio working. So now plenty to talk about with uh, round sixteen and. Yeah, very interested to see what coach do ahead of round seventeen. That's for sure. Yeah, it's um, it's a very interesting time of the season. Obviously, we've come off the buy rounds, and uh, you know the famous saying, which I think has been doing the rounds at the moment, is uh, after the buy rounds, we the, the tide washes out, and we can sort of find out who's been swimming nude this whole time. And um, look, I tell you what, if you were if you were sidewaysing trading during the buys, you absolutely would have been found out this past round because we had some whopping scores. I nearly scored a 2,500 and I still slid back a few spots. So, uh, look, I was probably a captain choice away from moving up in the ranks and I'm sure we'll get to that player uh, soon in a, in a segment. But but how was, uh, how was your round overall, mate, just uh, before we get into our favourite segment? Oh, yeah, not too bad. Normally, you score 2,400 plus and you're thinking, oh, I've had a good week. But uh, a bit flat, unfortunately, with uh, the 2,400, a bit underwhelmed, which was uh, sort of not what I expected. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, Captain Choice, I want the same guy. And as you said, we'll get to him later. And uh, yeah, a couple of other poor performers probably uh, kept me from getting that 2,500 that would have seen me hopefully crack the top 6K. So we fell back about 500 spots. But we move on to this week. So hopefully we can uh, make that ground up and then hopefully a bit more. Yeah, it's an interesting one because, like, you think about, um, like, I feel like everyone, all the premiums across the board did really, really well. Like, there was no one that really, I mean, there was maybe a couple of names that really flopped, but most of the guys who were highly owned all did very well. So, there wasn't much room for too much sort of movement in rankings, I suppose, where all the popular guys just did pretty good. Some of them went outstanding and some of them went, you know, just par. But um, I don't feel like we've seen the true separation in um, rankings post-buy that we normally see so far anyway. And with all the looping and stuff that happened earlier on the round with, um, you know, some of those rookies that went big, it's sort of meant that everyone scored well and therefore no one kind of moved all that much in this round. So I think there will be a bit more movements to come. But 
Let's uh, yeah. go on to our first segment here, which is one of our favourites. And the winner of the Norm Smith medal. You're an embarrassment to what you do, mate. You're an embarrassment. Uh, some of these guys were embarrassments, and uh, and some of them were really, really good. So we're going to start with the uh, bogs and flogs. Now, I've given you the negative side of this uh, segment yeah. this week, and uh, you'll be good giving us the flogs. Well. I've got the easy task because I could have picked through a bunch of different players in a lot of these games. But the, the first game, Brisbane versus Richmond, I've got Lockie Neal here uh, getting my bog because he's a guy that we picked up sort of off his buy round and has had several good rounds, and... Racked it up at the end of the game here as well and just gone on a huge tear, finishing on 127, I want to say, for his biggest score of the year. Three bigger than the round that I brought him in. So he's just been a great pick for those who've got him off his bye, which that's you, right, Bales? You've got you've got Lucky Neil. No, mate. No, <laughs> oh, no, 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 yeah, no, no, no. Missed him, missed him. And uh, I'm sure when uh, I just saw the run sheet, we'll talk about the... Uh, the Compton Crows Cup later. But, of course, Luke had him against me and oh, he goes for his no. high score of the year. So, just it continues Highest to put on the, the misery. Bales. <laughs> so, but, yeah, Lockie Neal, I think he had a huge last quarter as well. So, um, definitely uh, could be a guy that maybe people consider still. But uh, the the flog for this game, uh, it's it's not really a flog. It's probably a bit of a – just a little rocket just to sort of say get back on the get back on the horse, mate. It's Timmy Taranto. Uh, just had his first score under 100. So, he only just had, what, 14 scores over 100 in a row and then popped one. But – Hopefully um, he can We're get harsh back. on this show, Bales. We'll, we'll give out flogs for, for less, so that's all good, mate. Oh, Taranto, mate, lift your game. Pour it up. Pour. We, we need 15 in a row, so hopefully yeah. he gets back to this week, which I'm uh, sitting this week, I'm sure that he might be able to put up a good score. But, yeah, he gets a little rocket, the little flog this week. Yeah, when we all have the VC on him, come on, Timmy. We've got to be better than that. Um, let's move on to the next game, Sydney versus Geelong. Uh, I'm going to bypass all the premiums in this score and give the best on ground to Angus Sheldrick, who... You know, has just been a, a revelation these last few weeks and um, came out, scored 93, causing a lot of people to trade, also change their trade plans. I know I traded in a red dot to get this score, um, 93, as sort of that last rookie on field for me. It um, helped a lot of people who had like the yo injury and things like that, allow them to move up to those big dog premiums without feeling bad about fielding that extra rookie on, on field. So it really did shape up the entire round on that Friday night. And um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, because obviously they have the Thursday night again this week, uh, how he goes against the Tigers and whether or not we can use him as another loop. But for now, he definitely is deserving of the best down ground for this game. Who is our flog bales? Uh, flog of the, uh, this game here, Jake Lloyd. Like he's he's been a bit of a disappointment for those coaches that jumped on him. Probably yeah. post by was probably when a lot of coach John in the St Kilda matchup ran thirteen. Coaches were trying to target that. And he's been really poor. I know that Jake from Hatchat jumped on him instead of Sinclair, and that's cost him oh, be over 100 points now from the three weeks because Sinclair's gone 100 in every game. So, yeah. yeah, very disappointing. And, and yeah, could potentially be a bit of karate action with him maybe. So Yeah, three scores under 80 and then one score above 80 was only an 87. So in those past sort of four weeks, he's averaging basically like 75, 80 points. So that's definitely not going to get it done as a premium defender. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely to preempt the chopping block, he is definitely someone you can cut ties with and move on, I would say. Um, Adelaide versus North Melbourne. Now, I know uh, Luke's, Luke's going to be a bit upset with me when he hears back to this one, but I'm giving the, uh, the bog award to Ben Keys. Uh, just a guy who... 
when we talked about our trade targets last week, Luke, now this is where you got to listen to my to your own advice and my advice on the podcast. We said Ben Keys number one, Darcy Cameron number two, and so he had that choice. Of course, he he went the other way, but Ben Keys for anyone who traded him in um, had a, a huge huge round. Now, interestingly, he didn't do it with the CBAs, but he was in and around the stoppages, kicked a couple goals, and 132 points if you don't mind, um, which I think is his highest score for the year against yeah. North. Melbourne, um, you know, and his price is shooting up. So Ben Keys definitely deserves the best on ground for this game. Do you, are you a, are you a Ben Keys owner? Yes, yes, I am. I was just Ooh. going to quickly put a question. Do you think top six forward, maybe? Um, be in around the mix. He's around the mix. The the role volatility is a little bit, you know, preventing me from saying yes. Uh, if he was going to be in there at like 75, 80% of the time, then I would say yes, because I don't know that. Um He's in the mix, I would say, in that last yeah, sort of couple of spots. Outside. So um, definitely yeah. not someone I'm looking to trade this week by any stretch, but I'm not sure if I'd be looking to trade him in now this price is starting to come up. He's an interesting player with just that role changing and not solidifying week to week. But uh, yeah. let's let's talk about the flog here because I want to I want to unleash you on on your boy here. Oh man, the, the flog the flog for this game it's 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 my boy. Um, I really didn't want to have to come on here and have to talk about this guy being a flog, but oh, he deserves it. it. Um, come we, on, we we both have. Uh, I I didn't enjoy the Crows win because he let me down, and I was that livid walking out of the game. He ruined my day, ruined my weekend. Yeah. If I had a good captain, um, I know that you had the same call, Dawson or Laird. I was agreeing with everything he said on the Friday show about the the backing up after the huge score. And unfortunately, Laird, he just after quarter time, just didn't look interested. Just yeah. the, and, oh, the and also the fact that I was Sorry. just going to say that the fact is when a few plus sixes, the teammates would miss him and it would go over his head. So he missed out on some points there, but just didn't look interested after quarter time. There was like Luke and I were riding this game, um, watching it because I was I was feeling the pressure. And I, I will say the flog award should probably also go to the big boys this round because uh, uh, look, I didn't have a good round as as a captain picker. I'll put my hand up and admit that. Um, Calvinator, you definitely got one on me this week. But uh, Rory Laird let down the big boys. He let down our fantasy teams. And like for you, I had the captaincy on him. And, um, you know, if, I, if I'd if just gone Dawson, who was my number three, the ranks right behind him, I would have been 50 points up and I definitely would have moved up, potentially into the top 300. But not to be. Um, yeah, and he had 36, was it, at quarter time, had a great start. Yeah. And then, yeah. like you said, there was just so many near points, like a couple of times you go to, someone went to pick the ball up, he was there to tackle them, they just fumble it, so it doesn't count as a tackle. A couple of shit disposals to him, so he missed the missed the mark, missed the plus six, so I feel like the score could have been a lot bigger, probably still not the 130 that Dawson got, but he could have definitely at least turned up with a few things that gone his way, but just not to be, and uh, yeah, Rory Laird, I think it's a very deserving flog, but a little mini flog yeah. for the ball boys, big boys, I reckon. Yeah, Dawson <laughs> going along the world there, quite nasty as well. Yeah, so. yeah. Bit, bit stiff yeah. to miss out on the bog, but I want to shout out my boy, Keezy. Uh, Bulldogs yeah. and Frio, best on ground. I'm going to give love to one of Luke's boys, Caleb Sarong, who just keeps getting it done. You know, there was a little bit of a flag a few weeks ago with his ankle and, and a bit sore and hobbled, but he is a guy that just keeps getting it done from the start of the season. His floor is just extremely, extremely high, and he's shown a few games of ceiling like this last one, 134, which is his biggest score of the season. He's now averaging over 110 points per game. I think he's a top eight mid. The tough part is, obviously, the last few weeks, there's a bit and a bit of those sort of health concerns, but I think that there's no reason he can't keep doing what he's doing. Um, 
so yeah, just shout out to Sarong. I think he's a great player, and if you can get him in, I would definitely be happy to have him in my side. Yep, going along very nicely there, yes. Sarongi. But uh, the the flog, the duo, uh, one of uh, no two of your boys actually. Uh, yeah, well, Bailey one of the Smith boys just... from the start of the season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Bailey Smith. Uh, I think it's, this game pretty much put nail in the coffin of just him being completely irrelevant for the rest of the year. I just, I, I don't quite get why his role is that way. So Bevo again can probably get part of the the flog here as well, just with this all the changing of roles at the Dogs. Uh, but the main flog from this game that's a lot more relevant that uh, a lot of coach will be trying to trade it this week. Hayden Young, like your boy, what's what's he doing out there? Like he just hates the football, man. Rock. I'm telling you. He and and oh. Luke and I have known this from the start of the season. There was a little purple patch in there, you know, he's a couple of tons in a row. But yeah, he just when you've got a teammate like Luke Ryan who's a thirsty, thirsty gangster, um, and he's just yeah. little timid Hayden Young there. It's just, it's not conducive he's playing, to fantasy it's, scoring. It's such a weird role because he's playing sort of a little bit up the ground, but not high enough to get involved in the chains. But yeah. he's sort of in between the sort of getting the switching plus sixes and then getting involved in the chains. He's like playing in like just, it's such a weird role, yeah. but. It yeah. can be it can be a good role. Like I think Doherty's played that role in the past, um, where he gets those little forty five meter kicks, and then they use him to sort of yeah get penetrating kicks into the forward fifty, or you know he can he can get involved in in some of those plays off the back of stoppages and things like that. But you've got to you've got to be he's not the type of player that like a Doherty is where he commands the ball. He's not super yeah. mobile in terms of sprinting into a space like a Dacos or anything like that. So. He just lacks those qualities to make that role as effective as those other guys do. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I mean, I traded him out last week and I was very happy to move off him um, to, to Doherty. And um, I would recommend that he is definitely someone that if your team is complete and you've got all the rookies off, then you can um, move on from Hayden Young for sure. Um, yeah, let's great. keep moving on to Gold Coast versus Collingwood. I'm going to give out the best, best on ground to Noah Anderson, who nearly met my uh, hot take on Friday. I said he was going to be the highest CBA player, pure inside mid, um, and he was that. He had the highest CBAs for the team. I said he was going to score 130. Didn't quite get there, but he went, what did he get, 123 points. Um, and yeah, so it just looks good even in a smashing from Collingwood. So, um, big shout out to, uh, Noah Anderson for responding to my rocket on last Friday's show. Uh, um, Nick, Nick Dacos a bit stiff not to get a, not to get a, yeah, Dacos there, is old news, man. We all got Dacos. <laughs> he just does this. I wanted to reward, bo- yeah. reward my boy Anderson. So this yeah, is my show. Uh, I, can, I can give the box <laughs> to who I want. <laughs> Uh, well, no, just but Dacos will tell you what these people saying out there they can't uh, get his contested ball and tackle. I'll tell you what that was put to bed on the yeah, weekend. But that's, that's, that's the gone. flog from this game, this flog from this game is a big flog as well as a uh, Darcy Cameron, like yeah. fifty eight. Like I, I had a bad feeling about this matchup. I think he got a thirty odd against Wits last year, and up at the Gold Coast, we funny things happen up there, especially to Rucks and the Whitler. He dominated Darcy Cameron and. Even though Collingwood won convincingly, Cameron just didn't get involved, so he has to get the flog. Uh, 58, not good enough, mate. 58 um, at this point of the season when every other player is tonning up. Um, yeah, you know, if you if you were like Luke and like he he had to turn this game off, he, he actually couldn't watch um, because obviously the, this game followed the, the Adelaide game straight away, so he's just watched uh, Ben Keys go 130 and then he's watched Darcy Cameron put up about uh 
what was that? 70, 80 points less. Yeah. Um, so, and also, yeah, yeah you had like Johnson, Windhager, and even Dev Robertson outscored. Um, that's, that's a crushing Darcy Cameron one. All yeah. on my bench. So, yeah. That's, that's a crushing one. So, big, big flog for Darcy Cameron. And, um, yeah, a little bit of an inclusion of um, Frampton there as well, which stole a little bit of rock contest away from him, a little bit more of an even split between him and Cox as well. Um, so, some worrying signs there for Darcy Cameron, whether it's a, a one matchup thing, we'll, we'll sort of see. Let's move on to the next game. Uh, Essendon versus Port. I'm going to go best on ground, Darcy Parrish. Again, probably could have given it to Rosie here, but he's super popularly owned. So I'll give it to Darcy Parrish and just put him on the radar for people. I've never been a big Darcy Parrish fan, but the man racks it up and uh, he can find the pill and would be maybe a potentially unique play that we could look at as a trade-in target because he... He looks like he's he's playing well after missing time with that calf. It is still a little bit of a worry with that injury, but for this game at least, he's worthy of the bog. Yeah, and playing for a contract as well, so that could be interesting to see if he puts up some good numbers no there. But I'll tell you what, here. I'll tell you what, the flog, what a, what a fall off Ollie Wines. Like he, it was yeah. his. I think I saw a stat on Twitter. It was his lowest score from a full game. I think either since like his rookie year or in his career, thirty six. Like this guy won a Brownlow medal. Like yeah. two years ago, not that and, long ago, and he's yeah. he's twenty eight years old. And he's like, just putting what's going on. And he's just putting up these numbers. I know that Butters and Rosie and, and Horn France and guys like that are doing well, but I didn't think Ollie Wines was the sort of player that would just sort of fall back to like really mediocrity. Unfortunately, mediocrity, yeah. I should say. Sorry, yeah. so thirty six. Yeah. That's disgusting, and I'm pretty sure he's in my draft team. So that that's gross. As uh, let's yeah. move on to Hawthorne versus Carlton. I'm going to give it to the low hanging fruit here in Sam Doherty. Um, so he, he came in, did his 116, I think it was, and um, rewarded owners who jumped on. I think a lot of owners jumped on. I'm pretty sure in the top 150% or 60% jumped on, 50% in the top 1,000. So massive trade target this uh, this past week for players because I think he was 8% in the top 1,000 prior to that. So a lot of people flocked there, and he rewarded um, those traders for doing so. Hopefully he can keep this up. Who was the uh, yeah. who's the flog on this one? You've got a you've got a coach yeah. written down here. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. Well, I jumped on Doherty. Just want to say, put that on the record as well. So very happy with him. But uh, Michael Voss, it's just the flog of the game. Like, there's too many midfielders at Carlton to be like too many cooks in the kitchen. Like you, you got a guy like Sam Walsh that all us fancy coaches are wanting to bring in. We want to see something from him. A ninety on the weekends that are not really selling anyone, but he just keeps putting sort of Walsh here, there, and everywhere. Hewitt was a sub, came on, had five CBAs in the last quarter. I just, I don't know what's going on with Carlton's midfield, and yeah. I just don't think you can go near really any of these players until we see something different, because it's just, yeah, it's just, I don't know, what are your thoughts on on the Carlton mids at the moment? Yeah, yeah it's all, it's like I said, I think I said this last podcast, like Carlton to me are one of the hardest teams to figure out, like the Bulldogs sometimes, and then Carlton are like the two teams that I just have no idea what to expect week to week. Um, you know, even even if you boil it down to like players like Jackson Bins, who's been tearing up the VFL at the moment and not getting a game, he was the red dot I jumped in and um, I was talking to Jepper and he reckons he's been just smashing the VFL for weeks and not being able to get a game. So just these questionable decisions coming from uh, the coaching staff at Carlton is not uh, it's not not doing us any favours as fantasy coaches. So hopefully um, hopefully we can see some consistency moving forward, but I don't like our chances. Um, let's go to the next game, Melbourne versus GWS. I'm going to give the bog to Tom Green for two reasons. One, he obviously racked up 38 touches, but two... For us non-owners like myself, he uh, just dominated with the handballs. And he got his ton, so you can't be quite too upset about it. But as a non-owner, I'm not too upset about it either. He didn't, he didn't come out and really hurt me. So 
Everybody's happy here, Bales. And uh, yeah, twenty-eight so handballs. <laughs> yeah. So I was I was pretty happy to see that. I was worried that the you know being the the wet weather game that he was going to really come and and hurt me. But um, you know, one hundred and eight. I'm I'm pretty happy to concede that as a, a player who's ninety percent owned in the top one hundred, and uh, I don't have him. So uh, for me, he's the best on ground for a bit of a selfish reason. Yeah, well, the flog for this game isn't going to be another uh, player. It's actually going to be the Giants bench uh, or whoever's controlling the rotations because... Yeah, talk me through this because I I think I missed this at the end of the game. So what's the story? So I wasn't an owner of the Berg, right? Um, So part of me, the sicko way, was happy that he started on the bench because he didn't get his ton and sort of didn't cost me too much not jumping on. But for all those coaches, I know Luke was one, I know plenty of coaches did... 84 at three-quarter time, uh, Himmelberg. was a wet-weather game, tough to score in, for especially defenders and, and yes. that chip-mark game. But he was doing really well. But started on the bench. He was on the bench for nearly half the last quarter. He didn't come on until probably like 11 minutes or 12 minutes or so, maybe even less to yeah. go. So he would have easily got his ton if he actually played decent game time last quarter. So I don't know what the Giants do in their rotations there and why you've got the Berg on for over 10 minutes, but... Yeah, you've got to, got to clean up your act there. Yeah, no, that is definitely flog behaviour, absolutely. Let's move on to the last game, West Coast, West Coast versus St Kilda. Best on ground for me is a pretty easy nomination here for Brad Crouch. Again, like the Lockie Neal we mentioned earlier, he's been a great pickup for those who jumped off on him after the bye. Um, was definitely the guy that I was keen to get on. Once we sort of saw that Jack Steele was, was hobbled a little bit and he has been amazing and 17 tackles. That is, uh, that is pretty, that's led territory right there. Um, and obviously, you know, had the, uh, the disposals to go along with it, but 137 for his biggest score of the year. Brad Crouch, thank you very much for that one. Uh, yeah, he's definitely the best on ground. Yeah, and I'm probably glad he didn't quite steal that record from uh, Laird. He Laird still got that record got of the, the 20, 20 tackles. Still, yeah. Seven kicks for 137 as well. It's pretty impressive. But yes. uh, um, I think the I think Holmes would have given Brad Crouch a flog, though. I don't know if anyone caught. I don't, want to plug, <laughs> I don't want to try and obviously plug our Twitter space too much. Oh, but, I did. Uh, I did. 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 And he went on that rant, so that was funny. Um, but the the flog for this game, this is, this is more just a rocket because Jack Steele has – I thought he looked – probably as good as what he has done in terms of moving around the ground. Yes, he was spreading, getting – got a couple of uh, marks there. He's just out of form. Just There's just no form at all with him whatsoever. He missed um, probably four, five, six, seven tackles. Um, just not getting enough of the ball. I, one of the guys in a, in a group chat I'm in mean, was saying that's funny how Steele is everywhere, but he's not touching the ball and scoring points. So yeah. I still think he's on the radar for coaches to look at, not bring in yet until they see something but as, a, as an owner myself I'm not trading him but this is just a rocket to sort of hopefully get him into some form because I do have a pretty still nice run uh, coming up so hopefully it can turn around soon because it hasn't been a pretty ride since round 7 or 8 when I brought him in over Jordan Dawson Sarong so yeah absolutely that's we'll do it for our uh, bogs and flogs let's um, just for now we'll go on to the Infinite Wealth Content Creators Cup um, recap here. So just uh, for those of you listening along, make sure if you haven't already, go over to infinitewealth.com.au forward slash AFL fantasy. Um, if you're watching it on YouTube, you can see the link on the screen there. Go and check that one out and get your free copy of the um, uh, Fast Track to Financial Freedom. That's the course that Tim mm-hmm. has given all AFL fantasy coaches for free. Normally they, will, um, you know, I think his clients say they pay up to a couple of thousand dollars uh, to get this one, but you guys will get it for free when you go to that link on the yeah, screen and, and, there. 
you have to use that link as well because as Tim keeps saying on our thing, if you haven't listened, uh, if you just head to Infinite Wealth, you can't actually access the tutorial because yep. then it will put you to like you've got to pay for it. So you've got to use the forward slash AFL Fantasy Don't pay for it. There. Get it for free. Go yeah. over forward yeah. slash AFL Fantasy. It's a really good course. I've actually done it myself and I've learned a lot. And uh, yeah, it's actually yeah got me making some moves and hopefully helping my uh, future self. Um, What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Have a little bit more money, money in the back pocket, so definitely go and check that one out. Um, if we recap the just, uh, the matchups, oh, hang on, just quick, I was just going to say as well, uh, Tim's also doing a webinar for that as well, so just okay. stay tuned for that. I'm um, right. just in, uh, involved in that. So if you guys want to uh, get involved with that, make sure you do as well. Yeah, go and go and check Probably out. Cut you um, off as well. Just. Yeah, that's all good. Go go and follow Tim Guest over on Twitter. I'm sure he'll be tweeting out some more information about that and. Probably let, let you guys know on the uh, AFL Fantasy Fanatics Twitter spaces as well. Um, who did you... Oh, okay. No, hold on. We've got to talk about this a little <laughs> bit. The, uh, the matchup of the weekend. Bales the bye, as uh, you've commonly been referred to, up against our own uh, uh, Mike Oxlong, who is uh, the coach by, by Luke. He got the dub. He was a little bit nervous when... Um, who was who did he have? Oh, you had keys, but obviously, yeah, keys, yeah. The uh, the dub went to our boy Luke. What happened there, Bales? Yeah, Pete, what went wrong, mate? Pete, people keep saying Bales are by, Bales are by, can't win. <laughs> I will tell you what, I'm the most unluckiest coach in that league. It is unbelievable the luck. I what in two of the bye weeks, I lose to Louis, who was the top scoring coach that week. I was the fourth highest coach. I lose to Calvin, who was the third highest scoring. I was like the fifth or the sixth. And then this week, Luke had three players that I didn't have that had their highest score of the year, Lockie Neal, Cardiff Sarong, and Harry Himmelberg. So I can't take a trick. But no, good, good, uh, kudos to Luke. He's had a very good uh, sort of last month or two. To yes, um, yes. I know that we were sort of down the the bottom of the ladder, whereas he's now sort of mid uh, that mid of the ladder and, and rising up the ranks as well. So he's, he's going very nicely, mate. But you're also doing pretty well at the top there as well. Yeah, not doing too badly. Um, who was my matchup that I just had? Oh, mate, um, you can pump yourself up a bit more, mate. <laughs> not going too bad. I'm trying well. to keep a lid on it a little bit. But I had, I had Jeppers <laughs> Juniors. I did get lucky. He got, unfortunately, stuck with the German Impey late injury, which meant he had to field a Campbell Chesser. So that kind of sealed the victory for me there, despite having a poor captain. Um, but I just wanted to go back to your sort of, th- you, you said that you're the most unlucky coach there. I'll give a shout out to you because in the overall ranks, you're ranked 13th in the league. But if you go over to the season ladder, you're down at 19th. So that sort of shows the discrepancy between how you're going from uh, every week um, point of view versus your overall rank. So um, if I don't get a win this week against Zave, 
<laughs> Tim might be Tim might, Tim might be saying there's relegation on the cards. Yeah, if surely. I lose this week, there could be relegation. So let's hope. Let's oh, hope. I have to, I have to back you in there, Bales. I reckon I reckon you will get the dub there for sure. I'm not confident. Uh, but let's move over to this next segment. All right, let's talk about some news for the week. All right, so we've got a bit of news now, not too much in terms of injury news, but I also wanted to dive and use uh, this segment here to talk about a couple of role shifts and changes that happened over the weekend. But we'll start from the Thursday night where the um, very relevant news of uh, Josh Dunkley getting subbed off at, uh, I think it was about three, was it three-quarter time, um, with calf cramps or a calf corky, or something of that nature. Um, he had ice on the calf, is basically what we know, and there's been a bit of quotes going from Dunkley himself and from the coach that kind of don't match up quite uh, the same. So what are your thoughts with Dunkley here? Is this something that we need to be planning for as like a backup in case he's not named come round, uh, or come Thursday night teams there, Bales? Or do you think he's going to be fine and he'll get through and we can sort of pencil him in for our sides this weekend? Um, I think we'll know more tomorrow. Um, I think I was hearing on the traders before that uh, Fish, uh, Michael Whiting, who follows the Lions, uh, apparently they're training tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So he hopefully he trains tomorrow. It's funny because if there is something there, this is probably the game if they were going to rest yes. him. So I think if he's out, it's probably a trade. It's very hard to leave that much money on the bench for a week. But I then it's again, a, it's I like, think it's a trade you, too. I think at this point of the yeah. season, you're trading players like that, even if it's just a one-week thing. Yeah, and just yeah, and obviously if he's there, then obviously you keep. But it's it's probably fifty fifty at this point. Um, I, I'm hopeful that he plays, but there's sort of no guarantees, and it's obviously going to affect pretty much well every coach. I don't. I think he's still one of those players that's still top hundred in the top thousand and, and everything. Okay. So everyone has him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, everyone will be in the same boat if he is missing. The only thing that my mind instantly goes to is captains. I looked at this round and I saw um, oh, Brisbane yeah. Brisbane versus West Coast, and I went, okay, number one, Josh Dunkley, look, lock that in. Um, don't know if we can lock that one in at this stage mm. yet. We'll sort of wait to see what the wording is coming out from the the, um, the staff and the coaching team over there, but I still don't know if you can launch into that when obviously they, they probably will smash them and obviously he's been subbed in this game, potential for happen to happen again or for them to just manage his minutes as we go through. So keep an eye on the news for this one. The next one here again, Probably going to be a popular target this week in Callum Mills. His time on ground increased to 76% on the weekend and also had the highest amount of CBAs for the mids uh, for Sydney. Now, there was no Chad Warner um, for that game, but I also wanted to note that Errol Goulden uh, only had one CBA for the game, for the game, despite Warner being named. So he is definitely looking more and more like that pure winger down the um, end of the season. Not that it matters for his scoring or anything like that at this stage, but... Um, Callum Mills seems to be the biggest beneficiary to that injury to Chad Warner with his CBAs taking a spike. Is this enough for you to jump on him this week, Bales? Um, well, I'm sure we'll uh, touch on him with the trade targets, but I think so. Um, I, people are probably going to look at the 85 and go, um, the CBAs were there, but he didn't score. Geelong are a hard matchup. He slowed more in the second half, and I think Warner's not going to be there for a week, at least a couple of weeks. So I see that role there to stay. And we know that he's normally a mid-80s time on ground, so there's still that time on ground is going to increase about maybe 5 to 10% more. So if you're putting that on the top that he's got, the sorry, Mitch, he's got the Tigers this week, which is a good matchup uh, at the yeah, MCG, the, uh, the which Richmond we have Eagles, seen him. Mate. 
Yeah, and he has gone big at the MCG before, so I, I think he's a pretty good play, uh, a pretty, bit team-dependent. Um, a lot of coaches might not need a goal like that, but I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit later as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the next one here we'll talk about, we mentioned him a little bit before, but Ben Keys won CBA for the game. He pushed up the ground, so he wasn't playing that pure sort of forward, staying inside that forward 50 role. He was definitely coming up to the stoppages, but it is interesting to note that he did that against the um, North Melbourne team. Now, do you think this for Ben Keys? is because that they didn't really need him in the midfield there and use this opportunity to get some of those kids running through there in an easier matchup. That's kind of how I read it, but is, do you see it the same way or do you see it from a different point of view? Yeah, yeah, I saw it the same way. I think it had more to do with the matchup. There wasn't an obvious guy they need to really shut down. Like LDU's been uh, obviously good in the past against the Crows especially, but coming off an injury, they don't really need to shut him down when they're expected to win as well. This week, Bombers, Merritt and Parrish are both there. Merritt's probably the most likely one if they were going to do a tag, it'd be him. So, so do you reckon I he think goes straight back to, in there? Yeah, I, maybe not the 70%, but it might be maybe anywhere from 40 to 60%, but I don't think he's going to be playing that deep forward role that he was playing at the start of the year in the back end of last year. I think it's going to be that high um, half forward that pushes into the midfield at stoppages. So I, I still think the potential target, if not obviously going to hold um, in your side if you've already got him. Yeah, I agree. Um, the next one here, Zebel um, had a bit of a corky in the game, limped off, looks pretty ginger when he left the game. Um, I believe he might have come back on, but I don't think he did much at the end of the game. And um, Harry Sheasel did feast in the last quarter in terms of points scoring. So um, Zebel to me, if you still have him in your team, just with that 32-year-old body with corkies, a um, couple of poor scores in his last few. I think he is someone that, again, we'll get to the chopping block soon, but I think he's a priority move. And uh, I wonder what this does to Sheasel moving forward and, and if potentially we see the return of Aaron Hall um, if they want to ma- perhaps rest a, uh, a Jack Siebel there. Did you did you see this one on the weekend, Bales? Um, yeah, I was at the game. Uh, but I didn't actually oh, see right. the injury, yeah, though. Um, I didn't actually see the injury. I just saw him uh, hobbling off. I think it was when one of the crows played only set shot, and I was thinking, oh, okay, this is a bit interesting. And he, I don't think he came back on from memory. So I think, I think, he, did. I think, I think be... he did like the last few minutes, but oh, he did. I don't think he did anything really. Um, yeah. He just kind of was back out there. But yeah, um, I don't, it wouldn't surprise me if he pulls up really sore afterwards. And yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't make it for the next game, just being. Um, yeah, older older body. yeah. yeah. Um, the next one here, Jack McRae. CBA's a backup again, and Bevo's doing some weird things for us again and just making us question what are we doing with these forward lines. And uh, so CBA's back up to 65%, the highest it's been for a good while. Um, does this tempt you, Bales, with his um, CBA's back up, or is it something you're going to want to see more of before you jump on? Yeah, it's a ladder there. I think I'm going to see a little bit more first. He has shown he can score better in that forward role without the CBAs, but we know Bevo, he likes to do this. He like Next week, you'll probably see Bailey Smith had the most CBAs for the dogs and, and everything. So it's very odd there. If Again, I think you could still look at look at him, but yeah. it's sort of sort of not sort of a nece- necessary target, I guess. Yeah, it's a weird one. He's sort of been, you know, rotating between who gets that like last midfielder spot. This week it was McRae. The week before it was Caleb Daniel. The week before that it was Bailey Smith. And the week before that they were all split between all three of them. So um, just Bevo doing Bevo things. Hard to predict. So I would need to see a bigger sample size for me to jump on confidently. Um, sad one here for Nat Five Foot fracture. Looks like he's going to be out for the season. Um, hopefully... 
You didn't trade him in a few weeks ago when he was looking like an option. I know, Bales, you managed to dodge this bullet, but he obviously oh. is a, a trade if you have him in your side. Um, yeah. Yeah, because he's not going to be playing for your team at all this season. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, went DevRob over him. So uh, didn't uh, dodge one, but DevRob hasn't been amazing. But yeah, he's obviously got to go if you've got him. Yeah. Uh, the next one here, I'll touch on again. Noah Anderson had the highest CBAs for the Gold Coast. I still believe that if Noah Anderson is a pure inside mid, he can be a top eight uh, midfielder this coming down the stretch of the season. I just think that he's the kind of a guy that pops up for plus sixes. He can tackle. He's the sort of guy that has that full fantasy game. Now, my confidence in him maintaining that is a little bit lower than it was a couple of weeks ago just because we've seen Stewie Jew experiment. Um, Tuke Miller's coming back into that side. I'll yeah, get your thoughts on week. this, um, Bales. Does that hurt uh, Anderson or does it help him? What are your, what are your thoughts on, on that? Do you reckon it um, potentially hurts or helps No Anderson's scoring? Probably, probably a double-edged sword here. It could, it, it could help, but it could also hinder. It's, it's sort of, I think you, he's the sort of guy that if you don't have him, I don't think I'd be targeting him at least for a couple of weeks to see how when two comes back in and um, see how it affects things. But if you've got him, you probably don't move off him. You've probably got the confidence that you hope that he's been a good midfielder in there and that two comes back in will probably take the attention away from him, which means Anderson can go about uh, his business and, and continue to rack up for his owners because we know that he can score and he's a great player in there. So it would be interesting to see how that does pan out. But with two potentially back this week, uh, if not, it could be next week. Um yeah, so there's something to consider for, for coaches that own him and then don't own him as well. They do have Port Adelaide this week, so a tough matchup. But after that, they have the Saints, so a better matchup for outside players there as well. So um, keep an eye on that one. Now, Darcy Cameron, we talked about an, you know, as a flog earlier on, but had a bit more of an even split in the ruck between Cox and also some Frampton who came into the mix here. Um do you think that with Frampton's inclusion that we need to be a bit more concerned about a Darcy Cameron? Now, he only had the eight CBAs. From what I saw, though, early on in the game, he was taking a few more ruck contests in um, sometimes in the forward line and, and other sort of stoppages here and there as well. So do you think we should be concerned as Darcy Cameron owners? And is he someone that we jump off straight away or do we give him another week, Bowers? What are your, what are your thoughts there? Uh, I... It's, it's tough. I think if your team is in a great position, you've got your rookies off field and you're sort of down to considering who you trade next, I think it's fine to get rid of him because you, he's not going to be top six forward, I don't think. He's there for, for good cover, but then again, with a rolling lockout uh, and sort of trades up our sleeve, you can always trade a, a ruckman if something happens later on. But in a team like myself that's probably still got one more rookie, I want to I want to see one more week at least before I make a, a definitive call on it. It was a tough matchup against Wits, a uh, better matchup against English, which uh, I know sounds uh, not great, but English does give up points. So uh, hopefully a bounce back for Darcy Cameron this week. The CBAs were still 14 to uh, Mason Cox's 10 as well. So yeah. uh, Frampton had two CBAs. So uh, still Cameron's the main guy in there. But yeah, something to, to note for coaches moving forward. I think I saw on Twitter before the game even started that some astute coaches were sort of flagging this as a potential because it happened, I think, the same thing last year when they identified yeah. that, that taller, bigger Ruckman that they, they wanted Cox a bit more as a featured Ruck uh, for them. And they did something similar last year. So some people were saying, like, if you had the, the option, and I could have done this and I'm kicking myself for do it for not being switched on enough, but moving um, him onto the bench and putting a, you know, someone like... Um, 
who am I thinking about? A Sheldrick on instead of him, or Windhager, yeah, or a Windhager, or even if you if you're able to do a bit of bit of DPP action, putting a, a Johnson on. And um, for those of you who were able to do that, uh, definitely paid Very off this move. past uh, yeah. round. So, but I, I agree. I think he'll be better moving forward. But by no means is he locked in that top six forward line. Um, next one here, Will Day is just the the weird role that he had. So. I don't know if you um, watched this game, um, but he was starting in the CBAs and then floating back to be the spare man in defense. So he still got a lot of time in the midfield, but wasn't always up at the stoppages playing that role. And um, I think he had a similar role the week before against the Suns, and it paid off in terms of big scoring. Didn't pay off this round. To me, in my eyes, he didn't look like he was uh, fully familiar and comfortable with that role. And... um, I am a little bit more concerned if this is going to be his role moving forward. I would prefer to see him just be that pure inside mid uh, moving forwards for him to have consistent high f- uh, floor s- games. Um, what? Did, how did you see this role for Will Day? Did you did you watch this game? Uh, no, I didn't catch much this game, unfortunately. Um, after after the le- uh, normally I watch every game, but after me having to watch through Laird, I had to take a sort of a little bit of a detox with a couple of games off. Uh, so yeah, look at the same. But yeah. Um, <laughs> I still think that he is a guy that we can move on regardless. Sicily comes back, not this week, next week. If Really, if you look at Will Dacey's, he's been a great pick. He started as that mid-price guy, 537K. He was really good to start the year. But if you take away that 128 that he got against North Melbourne and the 116 that he got against Gold Coast with that 50-point corner, yes, I know that you say, oh, take away this game, this game, then you just take away all the scores. But they're the only, he's the only two scores over 105 for the year, and he's only got another 200 outside that being a 101 and 100. So yeah. I think he's probably closer to a 90 to averaging. Yeah. yeah, I think he's close to a 90, to 85 to 90 averaging player because he's a high disposal player but doesn't get a ton of marks unless he's in that right role and not a heap of tackles either. So I think if you can get him up to a Doherty or, or something like that, I think that's a great move. Yeah, I do I do want to note that after this week they've got the Giants and then he comes up and has a, a nice soft fixture after that going North Melbourne, Richmond, and then St. Kilda and Collingwood. So four of the easiest matchups for midfielders um, going around at the moment. So... There is potential that if you are stuck with him for a little bit longer, it's not the end of the world. So for that reason, he's a little bit down the priority of trading out targets for me. But um, he is still someone that I think that you're eventually going to want to move off of. Um, and the he's other the one, main, he's the main tag target as well. Yeah, uh, sorry, just to come in as well. Just say that's the other thing. A couple of times, weirdly enough, I don't yeah. know why you tag Hawthorne, but teams do. Um, <laughs> the next one here, which I don't know how I feel about Doherty. He played a lot of wing time on the um, the the game just gone. In fact, I think he p- played pretty much the majority of his time on the wing. He still scored well, um, but. I don't know if I love that for Sam Doherty, and I think that it might not be his best position for scoring moving forward consistently. But at this stage, um, as someone who traded into him, uh, I'm still happy to obviously hold him, but just maybe something to monitor moving forward because yeah, he was definitely clearly on that wing a lot there. Um, yeah. Just an interesting yeah. one to note there. All right, I think let's, he'll be a top six defender still. I still think he'll be there, but I still think that like a Dacos and a Dawson will, will comfortably be ahead of him. 100%. Yeah. All right, let's move on to this next segment here, which is our chopping block. Oy, okay, who's getting the chop this week? Now, 
I had to do that with you. Sorry, I don't know if you saw <laughs> it. You were good, looking mate. down, get the, the, the bandana wrong, well. get the yeah, chopping yeah. knife out. Um, I'm going to go broad this this segment here, and I'm also going to go into. Um, I guess the, a question which I'm sure a lot of people will ask me um, later on, but we're going to do our best to try and rank these order these players in terms of priorities to move out. Now, a lot of teams are unique and everyone's situation is different, but the, these are kind of the players that I think we should be urgently trying to get out and then some players that if you're in a luxury position, you can move on, but I don't know if you absolutely have to. So... The first one here, and I still think that we can't get too comfortable with these rookies on our field. Now, I think that every rookie that you have that's on your field that is not named Angus Sheldrick um, can be and should be traded and upgraded to a premium. We should still be trying to be aiming for a complete, quote-unquote, team of premiums. So I still think that for everyone out there, that is still your number one priority to get those rookies off the field. Do you agree with me there, Bales? Is there anyone else outside of Sheldrick that you would be not willing to trade if that was your ticket to an upgrade this week? No, I agree. I think that I think Sheldrick's the one that if you've got him on field, obviously the great thing is you can loop in this Thursday and see how he goes. But yeah, don't get wrong. Johnson's been great. Uh, three of the last four. Um, you've also got uh, um, what's his name? Winhager has yep. also been decent enough. Obviously, had a, not a great one the week before, but a good last week. But th- we've seen that they can drop thirties and forties. So if you Absolutely, can get them up yeah. to, even if it is a couple of these cheaper value guys, I still think it's a is is a worthwhile play because you're still going to get uh, more points in the long term. Yeah, and I think I think. You know, obviously, cash generation is important, and it's something we want to be doing. But at this stage of the year, it is less important. Um, now, like I said, everyone except Angus Sheldrick, who is someone who's got a negative break even, he's still going to go up a stack of cash, and you can loop him on the Thursday night. For that reason, no one should really be trading Angus Sheldrick. I would be trying to find any other way to make cash other than trading him out, um, well, and he, obviously, he I'll can probably... score as well as some of those other guys. I've got one for you, though. So if you had a Johnson or a Winhager or someone on your bench, right, if that's the downgrade that facilitates the upgrade on your field, are you still downgrading these guys or would you still prefer to hold a Johnson or a Winhager and maybe loop and see what they do? But if not, you're still going to get that cash gem because they've got such low break-evens. What are your thoughts? Um, I think that if you can get away with trading out a poorer rookie and still getting in a decent rookie in, then that's your preferred option. But for example, if I look at my trades this week, just again, this is early days, Monday night, but I'm trading out both Johnson and Marcus Windhager this week to get my up to upgrade because they're the only real rookies that I have with money on their heads at this stage um, to get in a playing rookie that's going to generate cash. Um, now with... Uh, again, we'll, we'll mention this a little bit later, but a couple of 200K rookies have been named for the Richmond Tigers. That might change my plans moving forward. But if I was to trade in someone like a um, an Elijah Hewitt, who's about 270K, I need to trade someone with a bit more value on their head, and that's those two boys. Yeah. So um, for me, I feel comfortable doing that. I feel like we're, we're past the point of holding on and getting, you know, caught up with these rookies. If they're your ticket to get to the premium, then that's what you've got to do, I think. Um, So everyone, except for Sheldrick, for me, can can go. See you later. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, You've done your job. Um, Now, so moving on to a bit more of the mid-prices and underperforming premiums that need to go. Now, I'll get your take on this. I've kind of ordered these in the priority that I think that they can 
they can go. Number one for me, if and again, I'm sure I'm going to miss a few popular players out there, but a player like Jack Zebel can go for me. Um, I'm calling this umbrella anyone who's not best 22 and who's not making money. So obviously someone like uh, Harry Himmelberg is not best 22, but at least he's still on his way up and his trajectory is improving. He can match it and still make cash at the same time, so you can kind of ride that out a little bit longer. But these guys are going the opposite way, so you need to get off them quickly. Um, so that you can get your team to the best players faster. So for me, Jack Zebel, old body, had a corky, um, scores have been down. I think he is a number one priority. I also think a couple of rocks in Kieran Briggs and Luke Jackson can go. I think a lot of people who have been potentially going without a Tim English so far, it's now time to pull that trigger and get up to yeah. him and not flirt with that any longer. Um, do you disagree with any of those guys? Do you think all of those guys can go? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with all these three. It is this. It, this is probably one of the best weeks to bite the bullet and get English. And if you don't have him already, great match against Collingwood this week could put up a, a big score. So, I would almost have if you can get Briggs or Jackson to English, I'd probably rather do that trade than Zebel to someone, just because Zebel to Sicily next week I think would be a True. great move if you can do that. So maybe if. You can get English this week. It is those rucks training first before Zeebel, but obviously if Zeebel's out, then that obviously changes things, and I'd rather Zeebel first. But, I, yeah, I wouldn't English even would be a mind, great get. I wouldn't even mind, like, if you don't have a Himmelberg, if you did a Zeebel down to a Himmelberg and get one of those guys up, yeah, because, yeah. because I am really concerned about Jack Zeebel and his body and um, just the, the potential pain of him maybe being subbed out or, you know, playing a little bit more limited uh, moving forward. I just have my concerns with, with him in that side, yeah. being North Melbourne's. So um, I think all of those guys are high-priority move on. These next few, maybe a little bit less high-priority as those guys, but Ben Hobbs and Jake Lloyd, I think, are guys who have, we mentioned before. Uh, well, Ben Hobbs hasn't been disappointing. He's been an excellent pick. He's still getting CBAs, but I think the value that's on his head, you can get him up to someone very, very good. Um, and I, again, I wouldn't be flirting around with his and pushing your luck longer with him now that Parrish is in the team. And Jake Lloyd has just been extremely disappointing. He's... Um, yeah, he's just not getting it done, and I think that you're bleeding too much points to guys that have gone somewhere else in their D6. So I think you can definitely get him up to, if you haven't got a Doherty, a Sinclair, a Dawson, a Dacos, those four players, if you haven't got any of those guys, I'd be using him as your ticket to get to one of those guys um, this week and then um, you know, look at other ways to get to Sicily next week. But those four guys, I think, are, are nearly must-haves at this point because they're pretty head and shoulders above the rest of the comp uh, in defence. Would you agree yeah, with those boys? Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, Lloyd can go. And, uh, yeah, Hobbs, it sort of doesn't surprise me that his lowest score in this run since he's uh, been in the team uh, coincides with Parrish coming back. I know poor, tough matchup conditions weren't, weren't great either. But, yeah, as, as you said, you don't want to sort of push your luck and try and go an extra week or two. Leave on good terms, like like leave civil and shake hands and say shake thanks hands, for yeah, thanks for your service. Yep. yep, yeah, thanks for your service. But uh, if you keep him longer and longer, and he starts one do that cash gen that good work, then it's not going to be as good sort of when you move off. So yeah, I think it's time to go. He's also his time on ground is is down a little bit these last couple of games. Sixty eight percent last game, seventy one percent against Frio. So again, 
when he can. And they've got a tough couple of weeks as well. Yeah, he's he's a great player, and I think he's going to be a really good player in the future for us to keep an eye on. But when you have that low time on ground, you're always at a risk of a poor score coming around the corner. And then these last few guys are, if you're in a team's in a good position, I think you can move off these guys. I don't know if how many teams are going to be in this position, but um, a Hayden Young, I think you can definitely trade. A Darcy Cameron, like we mentioned before, can trade, although he's down the list here because I do think that he has a decent matchup against Tim English in terms of points uh, for Fantasy Rucks um, this week. And then a Will Day. I would just be giving him another week and then potentially assessing and seeing if you can get him up to a Sicily next week because I think he is there and uh, close to that top six, that 90 to 95. But um, if, if he puts up another dud score, I'd be happy to move on to his teammate in Sicily the week after. So those three guys at the back there, I think are serviceable. If you have other spot fires to put out, you do that first. But I think if you don't, then those guys definitely can move as I moved off Hayden Young last week. Uh, is there anyone else you want to throw in there as a, as a chopping block name that we can cut out of our sides at this stage or, or any comments on those last few guys? Um, yeah, probably just on those guys. Yeah, they can go. They're obviously not going to be top in the line. So if you sort of are in a position where you don't have any of those guys we mentioned first and, and they're your sort of worst issues, then I think it's fine to... To trade, um, I'd, I'd almost have Will Day to trade out before Darcy Cameron, uh, yeah, only okay. because the ruck forward flexibility still could be quite handy, and I still expect Cameron to be the number one ruck going forward, and I think he can average not that 90-95 mark, uh, but can put up that dud score. So I think both can go, but it's a 50-50 call, um, I think. so. But I, think that I don't think there's any... When else we talked about Johnson, um, obviously before, and and you said if he facilitates the upgrade, you get rid of him. Yeah. Probably only one I want to raise is I've been looking at him as a target, but there are pe- people out there that've got Sam Walsh. What what are you doing with with him? I know he's probably not a high priority he's like those guys, one, but yeah, what what are you doing with him? Because he's just not getting it done at the moment. He isn't. Um, the midfield line I think is tougher because all these other guys are are basically defenders or or forwards. And I think there's a clear group in those lines where if you haven't got those top guys and you've got these guys here and you can move them up to that that player, then that's your ticket to do so. I say ticket off. In the in the mids, it's a lot less clear in terms of who are those guys. I think I think if you if you want to jump on the big dogs of like a Bont or like um uh, someone like a, a Brayshaw or, or one of those guys that's gonna cost you a fair amount. I think then it's it's okay, but like we've sort of seen with a lot of the midfield, it, it can it can chop and change week to week. So I think for me, if I was to put him on list, he would actually be the lowest priority still of all of yeah, them. Agreed. Yeah. Um, only when you've got rid of all these guys would I then be looking to shop around a Sam Walsh. The only scenario where I would tick off trading a Sam Walsh is if you potentially wanted to save some of your cash gen on the bench or the cash gen from getting rid of a bench player to a, a rookie doesn't give you enough to make the upgrade you want. And you wanted to do a Sam Walsh to a Callum Mills, which should bank you about 150, 160K. And if that's enough to get another upgrade on these other guys, then I would tick that off because it's sort of like a like-for-like trade, plus you're making the cash. Plus, I think he's got a better matchup this week as well. Uh, although I think they have Freo, yeah. which is actually pretty friendly for, for mids. So. And- Walsh has got a pretty good record um, against uh, Frio as well. And the only – I probably would keep him for one more week, but 
because DPPs do come out next. Uh, I think it's uh, post this round, I believe. Right, that's I think true. it's post this round. So if maybe keep him for one more week, uh, he's got the final game. I think he's, if he's he gets on the forward line. status, I think, I think he might yeah. need to play a, a fair bit forward to get it. But it is still. A I think he, I think he's over. I think he. I think he's thirty six percent, or that might have been before the weekend. But um, maybe keep him for one more week. The, uh, the Friday show, but yes, I, I would be yeah. pretty keen to hold him um, and yeah. fix up all these other issues first. The only one that while we're talking about mids that I did pop into my head, uh, Matthew. Rao, Matty Rao, where would you kind of place him on this list here? I'd probably, I'd probably place him after after about a Jake Lloyd at this stage, maybe before a Hayden Young, just because of the line he's in. Um, I was never really a big fan of the Rao trade in at this stage, um, but he again, someone that you could again potentially trade up to a big dog or even down to a Callum Mills, make the cash and then get one of those other guys up. I'm pretty keen on that move for a lot of teams this week yeah. if you've got I'd, more than one issue to fix. I'd probably sneak him in in the order we did. I'd probably sneak him ahead of Lloyd and just behind Hobbs, or maybe him or Hobbs are probably level, just because I think Rao can get you to a, a bigger midfielder compared to a, a Hobbs can get you to. If you've already got a Butters, if you've already got a, a Rosie, a Golden, a Dunkley, Toronto, everyone's got them anyway. So if, if it's pretty much just like you can get what Hobbs to Canelio, or you can get Rao to, let's say Brad Crouch or or Petrarca. I think I'd. Would you rather do the Rao to Petrarca move or something like that instead of going Hobbs to a Canelio, or, or what way would you probably go go there? Um, the Hobbs to Canelio doesn't excite me. If if I would rather do like a Lloyd to Doherty, I think would be a move that I'd rather do yeah. just because I feel like Doherty's locked into that. If I could do a um like a Hobbs to um. Hobbs to like a like a Goulden, a Butters, one of those locked in guys. I would do it, but a Cogs I'm a bit on the fence about. So those those two, I'd, I'd flip a coin to be honest. I think it yeah. is uh, a bit up in the air on on how that one would work. But let's move on to the trade targets next. So talking about some guys that we're going to upgrade to. Now, we've been talking about a few of these players as we go along, but a guy that we haven't spoken about when we're talking defenders, which I am still pretty keen on. I mentioned this last week, and I think if you're looking for a pod-type play, I want to get your thoughts, Bales, on Luke Ryan as an option for the Frio Dockers. He is, uh, he's been a guy that's just doing his thing the entire season. He's, he's copping a lot of flack from us because we've been, you know, Luke and I have been hating young owners, but the man is, he's a thirsty, he's a thirsty boy. He wants the footy and, um, he's putting up the fantasy points. And, uh, I think he actually could be a sneaky guy with low ownership for people to get in that last sort of D6 spot. Yeah, I agree. He's been a guy that I've I've looked at. Um, funny enough, looking at the kick singers on the weekend, Young had three and Luke Ryan only had the two. So I know the dogs were quite accurate, 16 goals, six. So in another day, Ryan probably gets more kick outs. But I like it. I like it as a pot. He's got the ceiling. And this year, he hasn't had the floor that he's had in past yeah. years. He's He's been, uh, I think his floor this year has been a 69 or a 65 or something. So... Yeah, I like it. If you are in a position where you can look at him, he's what's he priced? I'm just getting him up here. So Luke Ryan, yeah, eight sixteen. You can move a, a like a Will Day to him for not much at all, or yeah. even a Row or someone like that. If you've got the DPP, so I like it. What did you like it? Obviously, yeah. you're saying you could quite. Yeah, I like it. I think it's just a good differential play. I think there's, there's a, to me, there's a clear top five defenders, and to me, that's Dawson, Dacos, Doherty, Sinclair. Um, and then Sicily. Uh, Sicily when he's back. So that, that sixth spot is up, to, up for grabs to me. Stewart, I think, is in that mix. But I think Luke Ryan is the other guy. 
I'd probably have those two as the sort of main competitors for that final spot. And Luke Ryan, for the low ownership, if you don't have a Stewart or or if you're just looking to go a little bit different, he has the ceiling to really push those big guys. And when you have a low ownership guy, that ceiling is really what you're always looking for. So I do think that he is a good play. And up against Carlton this week, they actually give up some good points to defenders. So um, you could get instant reward for a Luke Ryan there. Um, Other defenders to target here, Sam Doherty, as we mentioned, um, and Jack Sinclair. I think those are two top uh, six guys. The next name here that we spoke about, um, a couple of guys fighting for that last spot is Liam Duggan. So he could probably be thrown in the mix there um, with Luke Ryan and Tom Stewart fighting for that sixth spot in the defense. What are your thoughts on Liam Duggan compared to some of those other couple of blokes? Yeah, so yeah, I, could, I always want to put that in the run ship at Liam Duggan. So if you, you yeah, I like his, it. Um, I like it. He scores from round round seven onwards. He's actually you probably you should go for you can probably go to round five. He's gone 103, 81, 96, 101, 113, 63 against Hawthorne. I believe that he had a migraine or, or was or sick or something in that game. That's why it was low. 140, 137. Then he missed, I think he was in hospital or something for like that. And then he I came believe back. he was suspended for a game. Oh, sorry. Yeah, suspended for a game. That's yeah. right. And then he was in hospital, which meant he missed the second game. Um then 69 against Sydney. Obviously, that was a, just no one really scored from West Coast in that game. Uh, and then 113. So he's got a decent run from what ran 18 to to the rest of the year. Richmond, Carlton, North Melbourne, Eston, Freo, Bulldogs, Adelaide. So if you're looking for a pod, um, he's a bit more expensive than Ryan, but I yeah. don't mind the play. Yeah, that, that's why in, in our run sheet, I've sort of ranked Luke Ryan ahead of Liam Duggan. And it is really just because yeah, of I'd that agree. price. Um and probably because the ceiling, at least I just feel that Luke Ryan has it a bit more consistently. But in saying that, Luke, Liam Duggan's put up two scores, 137, 140, that obviously demonstrate really high ceiling. So um, I don't know, maybe there's just a little bit of bias for me that I haven't quite seen it for long enough from him that I still just prefer a Luke Ryan. But again, if maybe if you're a mad Eagles fan and you need something to cheer for from your team <laughs> this season, Liam Duggan might be the uh, the bright spot for you. So I wouldn't put it past it. I think I, for me to launch into a pick like that, a Shannon Hearn or a Witherden would need to be out, uh, at least for a stretch for me to jump on there because I think his kick-ins came down with uh, Hearn coming back into the side, which um, just yeah. hurts his floor a little bit more, in my opinion. Yeah. All right, let's talk about some midfielders. Callum Mills is the first guy we're going to talk about. Like we sort of mentioned before, he's someone that you think is a decent option this week. Is he a guy that if you're sort of still wanting to upgrade that last rookie, you'd be happy to jump on a Callum Mills while he's cheap? Or do you think we should be aiming higher than him if we're trying to finish our sides? No, I think he's, I think he's a good good pick. Uh, good price, 104 break even. It's not unachievable from him. Obviously, we mentioned before as well, if you want sort of a little bit of a sugar hit, if he's going to sort of put up a good score, it could be Richmond. Um, his time on ground, I still expect to rise to that sort of that mid-80s mark, like we were talking before, because at the start of the year, he was playing like, yeah, like 82, 82, 87, 90, 89, 95 when he played key defender. So he does play a lot more. Um, he's got a... Pretty nice run for the next four. Richmond dogs can be a bit iffy, but then Freo and the Bombers. So I think as a three, four-week play, maybe makes you a little bit of cash and then going him up to a, maybe another premium at a later date. Worst case, you can do that. But I think best case, he could average 105 from here and be a guy that you keep. So are you keen on him? 
I, I am keen on him. I think I think he's he's looked good to my eyes. Uh, he seems like he's moving around well. The role was a big tick on the weekend. Um, I think he's still getting his legs underneath him. So hopefully we see another improvement this week with the time on ground coming up. At this stage, he's in my trade plans. Um, I think he's going to be a very highly targeted player this round. Um, and despite him, because sometimes we sort of see a guy, see it him as price tag, and we sort of think, okay, he's he's this cheap, he's probably not going to be best eight or, or whatever like that. But I think there's there is a world where he comes back at the end of the season and and you say 105 ceiling, I, I, I think he still has that 110, 115 yeah, yeah. Um, ceiling if, if he goes on a stretch. We've seen this guy. I think Selby was the guy that said at the start of the season, if he was the, the number one tar- uh, if he was the number one guy in the midfield in the CBAs for Sydney, he could be the number one fantasy player in the game because he just has that natural You've ability that, yeah. to get marks, get tackles, get high possessions as well. Line. So um, I think that... This guy is just going to be. We, I don't. I don't want people to overthink it. I think that this guy is the number one target for me for most teams. If you've already completed your team and you've got premiums everywhere, then maybe not. But I think a lot of us will be in the boat that a Callum Mills would be a great target this week. Yeah, and Warner being out as well for a couple of weeks is also going to probably helps. mean that that role stays as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I want to talk to you about this next guy that I've got ranked at number two. I don't normally have these really expensive guys in here this high, but Marcus Bontempelli is my number two target for this week. Um, I don't want to get ahead of myself and talk big boys, but... He is going to be pretty high up coming up against Collingwood this week because we saw what uh, Dawson get, did to them. Um, and I just don't see a bad matchup for him going down the stretch here. And he just his floor is so high that I don't know how much cheaper he's going to get for players and teams moving forward. What are, you, what are your thoughts on the Bont? I know you are an owner from the start of the season, but for people who don't have him, is, uh, is it too much to pay or what do we think here? Um, well, I'll tell you what, the chair that was just there uh, won't be a, a, a trade target <laughs> for someone else. Cause I, just saw, I saw the chair sort of slide out, which is, which is quite funny. Um, <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's a great he's a great target, isn't he? Bont's been, been amazing. Uh, what, first three, I was glad I went him over my crate at the start of the year. A lot of coaches had that 50-50 call. Obviously, you guys went the Bailey Smith, and I think you guys went Bont as well. Is that, is that correct? You guys yeah, started yeah. Bont? We've been, we've Bont? been satisfied yeah, so, by owners from the start of the year. Yeah. Yeah, he's been great. So if he can afford that money, if that cash and pay up for him, he's just as good a captain option really as has gone around. He's just so consistent. As you see, his floor is 90, but yeah. his floor for the past like sort of two months has been like what he said, one score under a, under 108, I think, yeah. since then or something like that. So it's been crazy. He's been so good. So, yeah, great target. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree there. All right, next guy on the list here, I have Christian Petrarca. He He's just really impressed me these last couple of rounds. Now, I know it's been without Clayton Oliver, but these last two games, I had pegged for him as tougher matchups, but he's gone and done a big score in both of them, and his run actually opens up now. So he's he's sort of gone through what I would consider the tougher matchups and comes up against St. Kilda, Brisbane, Adelaide, Richmond, North Melbourne over his next five. So what are your thoughts on the track as a guy who's a little bit up there in price and and a bit of a unique play as a guy to target as a trade-in option uh, this week? 933K is his price tag. Yeah, yeah, I like him. Um, I owned him last year and it wasn't too great. Uh, I think he went average the first week I brought him in and then he got that 40-odd when he was sick. Uh, that, that bloody game, I remember that one. Uh, but this year he's been very, very consistent. Again, he's... 
He's normally had a bit of a, a little bit like Luke Ryan. His floor this year seems a bit higher than what it has been. He's had that floor of like that he can pot up a 60 or a 70 out of nowhere, whereas I don't believe he's gone actually under 80 all year. And yeah, yeah, he had the one score of the 80 and then the 85, and that was that sort of three-week patch there. But besides that, he's he's been really, really good um, in every other game. So I think he's a great target, and I think he'll be a top eight mid. So you think you've got him in the top eight mids at the moment? Yeah, I got him at the back the back end. I still think I have a few other guys ahead of him, but I probably got him. Oh, I, don't, I haven't done it exactly for a couple of weeks, but probably like seven, six, somewhere around there. I think I'd have him in my top eight mids now as well. Um, yeah, he's he's kind of got that Bontempelli vibe. I, like I think he's an amazing player, and I think that just the fact that he is such a good player that that elevates his floor, and his, obviously his teammates look for him. Um, and he could have had an even bigger score on the weekend if he, uh, I think he went 0-4 in front of goals. So he could have had a big score and up against St Kilda. Uh, he's definitely someone that we can uh, expect big things. So I do like him as a trade target. Let's talk about this next guy who I think we haven't mentioned on this podcast this entire year, but Adam Trelaw deserves some recognition with what he's been doing. Um, I think I, I heard uh, Mini Monk and a few other people talking about it, the coaches panel talking about him last week. Um, He's on my he's on my uh, trade targets here. If you're looking for something a bit unique, it still makes me a little bit nervous with an Adam Trelaw. And you know, whilst Bevo's been good the entire year with his role, it does just make me nervous about trading in a uh, midfielder from the Bulldogs who's not Bontempelli. Uh, but you can't take it away what he's been doing these last four rounds. A hundred uh, lowest score of 110 over the last four rounds with 130 in there against Geelong. Um, their matchups coming down the stretch of the season are actually pretty decent as well. Collingwood this week we mentioned as a big um, positive for Bontempelli. Um, what are your thoughts on Trelaw, and do you think you could pull the trigger on a player like this? Um, I think you can. I think this, I still think it's the time where you can get these t- sort of players because you. I think this is probably a play that if you've got your rookies off field and you don't have too many issues, you can take the the risk because we do know the body risk is there. So if you're sort of up high ranked and you want a pod to maybe get that leg up to maybe crack the top 100 or top 10 or whatever, or even top 1,000 to a degree if you've got rookies off, I think he's not a bad option. Yep. But, yeah, um, the injury risk is there. So not a player I will probably go for in my position, but – Maybe you're a bit higher than me, so maybe you could go for someone like that if you yeah, want a it, bit of a pod there. It is getting to the point where we do need to start to look at players who are lowly owned. So those Petrarchas, um, you know, Adam Trelaw, these kind of guys where this is the way that if you if you get lucky, you can start to move the needle a little bit and go for that bit of more of a unique play. So um, maybe a little bit early at this stage, you still want to probably be locking in those guys that I think are guaranteed or, or at least in your eyes, you know, cemented in the top eight, top six of their position. But I think once you, if you're up the top 1,000 or, or close to it and you're trying to get into that kind of competitive area, once you've kind of squared away those guys and you've got those last few spots to fill out and there's a bit of a blanket over them, that's where you really should probably be looking at those unique plays. And um, I think that Trelaw could definitely be one. I probably have him behind like a, a Petrarca in my eyes just yeah. because I have a bit yeah. more confidence in him and his body. Um, but I couldn't rule out if you're a big fan of Trelaw that you can go on here because he is putting up the numbers. 
Um, I'll tell you what, though, just, just quickly as well, I'll tell you what, round 21, I think he could be coming into my side. He's got a three-week blocker, Richmond at Marvel, Hawthorne at Utah's West Coast at Marvel. Yes, I did see that as well. Very, yeah. very spicy run there and uh, obviously has a good record against Richmond to, to start that run there as well. Loves loves versing us. So, um, yeah, could definitely be a nice three-week play at the end of the season when probably is more likely when a lot of us will be looking to go those unique plays to differentiate our teams. Um, the next guy here, we'll just throw him out because I've been pumping him up these last couple of weeks as the number one trade target. He's moved down my list because Rory Laird, I don't know, maybe the Dawson thing is just taking a little bit of the shine away from his scores. Um, but I still think for a guy that could potentially go 115, 120, um, he is probably the cheapest of the quote-unquote uber premiums in uh, in our midfield. I still have him as a top eight mid. Um, this last weekend, I think, was just a bit of a, a weird one. Would you agree? Was there any, any any reason for concern for Rory Laird as the guy we sort of projected to be at the top four, three or four mids of the game? I don't, I don't think there's a concern. I've probably lowered my expectation from that, maybe going at the high 115 to 120 to maybe 110 to 115. I think yep. Dawson is probably agree. having a bit more of an impact. I think he's, a, think he's a good target. I wouldn't really read too much into the game on the weekend. I still think he's going to be over 110. But, yeah, he's, he's still a good target, but probably won't be the top uh, midfielder come the season's end. Agreed. And then this last target, um, Darcy Parrish. I think you popped him into this one here. What are, you, what are your thoughts on Darcy Parrish moving forward? Kind of in a similar vein of a Bont. Trelaw kind of type where he's that unique play um, could potentially sort of make the end of that top eight midfielders. Would you, I've ranked him sort of third of this group, but would you have them in a different order if we're just looking at Petrarca, Trelaw and Parrish as that sort of pod um, target? No, I've got them in the same order. I think, I think Parrish would be probably third here. I think I know Trelaw has probably got, uh, the injury is just a bit more than a Parrish. Parrish has still got the injury concern there with the calf, but I think Trelaw would be would be the pick over him, but Parrish playing for contract, um, so he's going to want to put up some some good numbers and play really well the back part of the year, and has got a pretty nice run after I think two three games time. So you could get hit, and maybe him and Trelaw could be good targets in a few weeks. But yeah, someone to consider after coming off that that big show on the weekend. He did tackle more and, and get a couple more extra marks. So yeah, not but someone you can look at. The tackles for me are the thing for him. If he tackles well, he's going to have a great game. He's he's a guy that yep. has no trouble finding the pill and getting a lot of possessions, but what limits him sometimes are the tackles. But he, if looking back at his season, he's been incredibly consistent. The only game where he's gone below 90 was the first game back from his injury. Every other game, yep. he's got that high floor, um, very consistent, and obviously this last game showed a bit of ceiling as well. So I definitely wouldn't rule it out. I'd want to see another round of this one before I'm ready to jump on him. He's not exactly cheap. Um, and Adelaide is a decently tough matchup for midfielders, so I don't know if you're going to get the instant reward there. But after that, his run opens up a little bit with a couple of easier matchups in West Coast and Hawth, uh, sorry, North Melbourne coming to the back end of the season. So, yeah, it will be interesting with a couple of these um, unique guys later on in the season when we're trying to get those guys and, and trying to time the runs. But for me, parishes are not quite yet, but definitely a yeah, watch yeah. at this stage. Let's quickly bang out these forwards because we are going long on this podcast. But uh, number one, I've got Errol Goulden, who for me as a lonely, lonely uh, person in the in the top 1,000, I think there's me and maybe 10 other people in the top 1,000 that don't have an Errol Goulden. Uh, everyone has him in the top 100. Um, but if you don't have him, I do think that we're going to have to look to start to get him into our sides very soon. Um, so he's one of the guys. One target there. 
one of the guys on my uh, watch along, a uh, shout out to Brendan who tunes in a lot. He keeps saying, he's just like, uh, when Gordon put up the 120 on the front, he said, is uh, Mitch sitting there in a fetal position uh, after Gordon keeps putting out these big scores? So, um, yeah, if it you hasn't, have it him, hasn't hurt me. It hasn't hurt me until this last weekend because I traded Errol to Darcy Cameron and it was looking okay even with his big scores, but this last round, obviously, the difference was was huge. And um, yeah, so it definitely hurt me there. I'm going to have to concede that I'm going to have to get him back in at some point. Um, at this stage, I'm thinking it might be next week. I've got to decide between him or a Sicily if I jump on him straight away, if I go the Sicily. Um, we'll sort of see how we go. I still hold out some hope that because he's a winger that it might not, be there, but he's just so thirsty. And I don't know if you watch. Yeah. I don't know if you watch his time on ground stats, but he, this man doesn't have a rest. He just runs no. and runs and runs. Yeah. So he's he's just a beast. I think he is definitely a top six forward. I do have Cogs at my number two here. The role has been there the entire season. He's cheap. So I'll ask you this question here, Bells. If you're in a position like me. Would you pay the extra nearly one or over 100000 for a Goulden who's playing on the wing and as thirsty and as uh, high time on ground as he is, or would you save the hundred k and go for a Cogs who's a bit more of a unique player but getting that inside midfield time? What, what are your thoughts on Cogs who's kind of just been the forgotten man this season for a lot of coaches? It's funny. Yeah, Cogs, that guy, if you started with him, you you're sort of happy in a way, but then you're also, on the other hand, you're sort of a bit underwhelmed. So you're sort of a very weird sort of position. I would, if you've got the 100K, that I'd be paying the 100K extra to get Gordon. Gordon's averaging, what, 109 for the year. He's got that huge ceiling. Cogs hasn't shown that ceiling as much this year. I think he's had one score over 120 this year, I believe, the 135. Uh, yep. So unless he had another one, which I can't uh, oh, to, think of off the top of my head. No. They've all just been yeah. 90s, 100s. Yeah, that's, that's basically what he's been doing the entire season. Yeah. yeah, he's not a bad option to fill. If he's your F six come the end of the year, you'd be pretty happy with that. But yeah, I think I'd probably have uh, Golden um, clearly um, if you can get that hundred k extra to get him in. It is just weird. I feel I feel like there's something telling me that Cogs is going to have a big game uh, sooner rather than later. I've got that same feeling um, as well. I've got that same just, feeling. Uh, we haven't seen it yet. It just the role is too good for it to not be there at least one or two more times this season. Um, Hawks this week. Yeah, Hawks this week. It could be. It could be this one. Obviously, the matchups there, but. Yeah, I still think that he's someone that, again, he's a little bit more unique compared to a lot of these other forwards. You know, your Rosies, your Butters, yeah. um, your, your Gouldens, Dunkleys, Tarantos. He, he is a little bit, he's more unique than like a Keys and a Cameron, for example. Um, and obviously his role is probably much better than those two boys. So he definitely could do worse as a guy to fill out your forward line. And then we'll talk about the aforementioned Keys. Do you think you can jump on him after his big score, but the loss of CBAs? Um, he's obviously up in price now at 775. Is he a guy that you feel like we've missed the boat on if you haven't got him in? Or, or where do you think about Keys there? One of those plays where you probably feel dirty bringing him in now that he has risen so much, but I don't think it, I don't think it's too late because I think that he is a sneaky chance to sneak into that sixth spot for a top six forward. He's he's got uh, some good matchups come. I think Crows have got a pretty nice run for us here. He's not playing deep forward anymore. He's playing a high half forward and going to midfield. I think he'll have more CBAs this week uh, with sort of right uh, not right uh, Parish and Merritt in yep. there. Um, so I still like him as a target. It's probably interesting, sort of Cogs or Keys, who you'd probably go. But um, who, who would you go? probably go? So you're saving seven. about eighty k going to Keys yeah. versus Cogs, and obviously the break even is low. So it's still going to make some money. Who who would you go in this in this point? 
uh, tape, tape my crow's glasses off on the side. Um, <laughs> oh. It's a tough one. I think it. I think it's Cogs, just with the safety of what you know he's going to do. If you're paying up for keys now, I think you're paying for him to be a uh, matching it with the top six. Um, his break in is 55. If he puts up a 70, his break in will go up to about 90. So you're not sort of getting him in to make money. So I think I'd yeah. go Cogs with the safety. But if you want, again, if you're probably down at like outside the top thousand, you want to push in. Keys is probably the guy that to jump on is that more pod because Cornelio is a bit more highly owned, but, but obviously still not um, as, as uh, popular as like the other guys. So I'd go Cogs, but I, I think Cogs is actually surprisingly lowly owned at the top. Um, yeah, I think he's in the 30 odd percent, 40% something in top thousand, I think for yeah. off the top of my head. From yeah, I think, I think that the, the value of a keys, which has been why he's been a target for these last few weeks is now tipped over to the side where, like you sort of mentioned, you're paying for him now to be that top six guy. And I personally yeah. would now try and rather go for a Canelio if you don't have him over a keys, exactly. try and find yeah. that extra bit of money because I have much more confidence in his role and also where he sits within the team um, on a week to week basis. Um, so I would probably be going with a Cogs over a Keys. Um, yeah. So yeah, Keys in the top thousand is forty percent owned, and in the top thousand, Canelio is thirty four percent owned. So you're actually going the more okay. unique play yep. in a, a Canelio. Cogs, yeah. So um, and I think he's probably a safer guy to bank in the scores. So. Yeah, I, I, in most scenarios, I think you're probably going with a Canelio unless you just don't quite have enough. Then I still think that it isn't too late for a Keys if he does maintain that midfield role. But if you can, I'd try and get the uh, the Canelio in over. And then the last player we'll talk about here, Jack McRae. We sort of mentioned it before, but do you need another week to see his role? Is he a guy that you think we can target? The only thing I will flag, he is expensive still. Um, I think he's nearly 900k. Eight ninety or something. Yeah. Yeah. So. For me, that kind of rules him out when you've got those other two guys we just were talking about um, much cheaper and his role is yeah. a bit all over the place. But do you do you think that you can jump and launch if you're wanting to go for a ballsy move? Um, well, if you, I don't know if you've seen, if you look at his history against Collingwood, uh, he's averaging uh, over 121 against him in his career. And Jesus. I know that that's, uh, he, he's been... Uh, in the more in the midfield, but they are his favourite team to score against, I think, by a bit of a little bit of a distance as well. So... If you want to go this week, you could. I would. I still would rather round twenty-one could be a great option, as we mentioned with Trelaw, the Richmond Hawthorne West Coast matchups. That could be where you target him. But yeah, I'd probably want to see another week. But if you want a ballsy move, he could be an option. Yeah, I agree. Let's um, we'll, we'll finish up the podcast with a couple of questions, a few questions over from Twitter that have been asked to you here, Bales. I'll throw this one over from Russ, who has no rookies left on field, and he wants you to rank out in an order of priority. We talked about a couple of these guys before, but we did not mention Baz Linkar, Bailey Smith. So um, he's got Matt Rowell, Bailey Smith, and Darcy Cameron. Who do you think are the biggest priorities to move out of those boys? I think Darcy Cameron's the bottom. I think that he can keep him. So Bailey Smith and Rowell, it comes down to I think it's got to be Bailey Smith. I think I think Rao's got the role. I, I know I didn't too. think I'd be saying this at the start of the season. I think it's Bailey Smith because he's bleeding cash as well. I think he went down about forty k this week. He's he it, it just is shocking. Yeah. Um, I think it's Bailey Smith like, too. As much as I like yeah. the guy um, as a football player, I think I think it's him as well. Um, the role is better for Matt Rao. 
Um, yeah. yeah, so I, I would agree with you there. I think, like I said, I would explore the option of the Callum Mills. So going, you know, a row down to a Mills, could you then get a Bailey Smith up to a Cogs or something like that potentially? Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure if that's a play, depending on how much money you have in the bank or if you maybe you've already jumped on a a, uh, a Callum Mills. But explore that one there. Russ, um, Hens has got a bit of a left field one here. All the talk is about Mills, but what are your thoughts on Shuey? Uh, probably about as potty as it gets. And I must admit, I did not expect to see that one as a question. Uh, Luke Shuey, 658,000, coming off a 109. Can we go there, Bales? <laughs> no, I don't nah, think so. Nah. You can either. I, I, I can understand why they've asked. I think he went 130, and I think he followed up with a 110 or something. 120, on the weekend. 120 yeah. Um, yeah, so he's been, yeah, so a little bit high, not 130 last week. But he's been good, but... I've been down this road. We've all been down this road. You get bring him in, and he'll probably do a calf or a hamstring. I remember I brought him in when he played the Gabri. He not only did one hamstring, he did both his hamstrings. He did one, came back on, did the other, or something oh, like that. Mate, so no, no, you, can, no, you can't, no, you can't, you can't do that. Thirty-three years old in. on a team as poor as West Coast. No, I, I absolutely could not trust it. Uh, just for the sake of being a pod, I'm sure you could find other pods that are better. Draft. He's a draft play. He's a draft play. If you don't, if he's on the waiver wire, uh, definitely a draft play. Um, is Goulden or Doherty a more important must-have? Your your opinion there, Bales? Goulden versus Doherty. This is an interesting one because obviously oh. I traded in Doherty over Goulden this past week. But that was probably more to get <laughs> off uh, a, um, a Hayden Young for the most part. This. This is a great question. Probably depends on who you're upgrading. If if it's a like you could say Hobbs to um, Golden, or if you're doing Day to Doherty or whatever, I'd probably rather get Golden if or what vice versa. But yeah, I think the sugar hit a Golden. I think I think it's Golden. The sugar hit this week against Richmond could be a if you want to be a bit unique with a VC potentially against Toronto, um, could be a play to bring in this week. So I think it's Golden, but you can't go wrong with either. Can I just flag? Real, real quick flag, we, we think about Richmond as a positive matchup, and they are for inside mids. For wingers, they're actually a very easy. tough matchup. Um, going based oh, really? off the okay. DFS Australia, um, on average, uh, wingers and defenders, so they're in the same group over on DFS Australia, they're averaging nine fewer points on average per game. And only okay. 20% of wingers hit their average in the last 10 games. And in the last five... Disregard what I said. And in the last five, it's actually worse. So I, I thought that was an interesting stat um, because obviously we see the Richmond matchup. We think it's going to be a positive one. But for wingers, at least for the past few, uh, you know, 10 rounds, it's not been the case. So interesting to see if Goulden can buck that trend. I th- yeah, I think I think Gould's a different winger. I think he is. God, he's a different winger. First, he's so. like he's he's like I said, he's the best winger for fantasy. Um, so uh, it's a really tough one. Like you said, I would try and distinguish who do you think is the worst player you're trading out, and use that as the tiebreaker. So if you're trading out a player in your forward line that's worse than the guy in defence, then go the Goulden. If it's the other way, go the Doherty. Um, Splitting hairs with yeah. the two, I think. Very, very tough a question. I obviously traded in Doherty last week, and I still do not have Goulden, so I, I went the Doherty route, and obviously one week down, I got that wrong. Um, the next <laughs> one here is Hobbs to Keys a tick, or should I trade out Johnson instead to Mills? I have a very strong opinion on this one. Yeah, I, I think that's Johnson the, Mills. Yeah, the very um, 
very big answer for me. Hobbs, Hobbs, has still, Hobbs has still got probably one more week if you want to stretch a one more. The Crows, you could go, okay, then he's got, I think it's Geelong and Geelong, so you want to get off him by next week. But, yeah, it's, it's as you said, it's a, I know John's got more cash to make, but it's easy for me. You get the rookie out. We've got a bit of a shout-out here from Kevin here asking how your drafts are going. He said you just got an easy W over him, uh, bombing out by Kevin. Said he, he just uh, toppled you in one of your draft leagues there. So just a, just a shout-out in draft there. I don't know how much... You're Whatever, Kevin, mate. I'm not fussed with matchups this year. This has been a no, nah, no. Nah. Congrats to Kevin for getting the win. I did see that, but yeah, mate. I've had an awful year with league matchups. It I think been, he, uh, yeah. I think he topped me in one of in, in the in the ball boys draft league uh, a little while ago, start of the season. But um, I've had a few good runs since then. But he wasn't afraid to talk smack then, and obviously loves talking smack now. So last uh, last question for you. Pile on for me. Last one question for you here, Bales. Um, where did I have it here? Okay, yep. Uh, Hobbs to Goulden and Wilmot to Marich. Is that a tick? I think that's a pretty clear tick for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting Goulden, yep, get off Hobbs. Yep, I'm happy to but, trade yeah, out people, people, have been, people have been saying, I know a few people maybe said you can keep Wilmot because he's in a better role. But again, as you said before, with the they might have more cash to make. But Easy ticket. if that facilitates the upgrade, you, you trade them because they're on your bench more likely anyway. So if he's on your field, then you want to upgrade Wilmot. But, but yeah, you trade yeah, I think so, and especially when you get an upgrade like that, getting the Goulden in, I think that's a pretty big tick for me. So uh, that will do it for us today, mate. Thank you very much, Bells, for this monster episode and jumping on the show, mate. Um, if anyone hasn't already, make sure you go and check out Truly Bales on YouTube um, and follow uh, Bailey over on Twitter at BalesDT. Check out the um, AFL Fantasy Fanatics on uh, Twitter Spaces and their podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts as well. What have you guys got going on, uh, Bales? Any uh, any special videos coming out this week, or what's the what's the plan for those who maybe aren't across uh, your content over on YouTube and on Twitter? Uh, well, the plan is no watch songs for a couple of weeks. If people watch those, uh, I'm going to Perth uh, uh, on oh, Thursday yes. to see, actually finally see uh, Timmy in person. So that'll be really good. So if you're near the Varsity North Bridge on Friday night, head down because we'll be Fancy Fanatics taking over Varsity down there. But uh, yeah, just the usual. Um, so if people want to follow, as you said, at Truly Wilds HD on YouTube, we just passed 1,200 subs. So appreciate everyone that has uh, done that. So if you want to check out for more content, then. Make sure you do. Make sure you subscribe to this YouTube channel first, though, because uh, hey. Mitch and Luke always doing uh, always doing good work over here. Friday, like, I didn't catch last Friday, but every Friday at four yeah. thirty uh, Eastern, I'm always here watching and uh, listening to to you guys. Always good fun. Yeah, well, you heard the man, guys. Make sure you guys are subscribed to this YouTube channel. Give this video a big thumbs up. Yeah. We will be back along for the uh, Friday night uh, live show to go through our big boys. Uh, look out on Twitter as well because there is a Thursday night game which might involve a few captain options. So uh, stay tuned on Twitter. I will tweet out the ball boys, big boys that night so you can at least get my opinions. We'll be back. Don't worry. We had a down week last week, but we'll be back with a vengeance this week. And uh, until next time, guys, we will catch you guys later. Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. 
Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today.